0: It's, it's kind of, it's like a gigantic puzzle, isn't it, Barry? And every time I've thought, oh, I'm ready, I've gone, oh, there's a missing piece there that I don't have.
1: Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Barry Moore, and this is the podcast that's all about sales funnels and marketing automation. This week we're going to check back in with Kate Richards in our ongoing series of marketing automation case study, Uh, following her along in her journey uh, from a standing start with nothing to getting all her marketing automation, all her sales funnels up and running, and her products selling online. So this is kind of a long one. So we're going to dive straight into this week's catch up with Kate Richards. I'd like to welcome back to the show Kate Richards. And if you haven't um if you haven't listened, we've been having an ongoing case study checking in um With Kate, along the way, she builds out her marketing for her new product, uh, mostly because Kate is kind of one of the avatars for my community and uh, in my products. I thought it'd be great to follow her through her journey of uh, product creation, marketing automation, creating sales funnel, and uh, getting it up and running. So welcome back, Kate.
0: Thank you, Barry. Good to be here.
1: Now, catch catch the listener up on where we're up to with you.
0: Well... I think the listeners are going to um, say that Kate has been a little bit slow in developing (laughs) her her funnel and the listeners might be right Um, or, you know, it might just be the kind of pace I've been going because ideas and things are still developing in my mind and so um, it's it's kind of – it's like a gigantic puzzle, isn't it, Barry? And every time I've thought I'm ready, oh, I'm ready, here's my pieces, I've gone oh, there's a missing piece there that I don't have. And I've kind of done a little bit of a spin around um, and taken a little bit more time and had to fill in another piece. But that's it. Um, so where are we at? Starting from the bottom, um, my product has been beta tested um, quite a few times over and has been in market tests really successful. Um, and I'm actually really thrilled with the response to it, and what you know, what Brand Three Hundred and Sixty has kind of given to the people that it's been tested for, and so everybody has had a very common um, and strong positive response to the benefits. So, so that was, so that's really good. So, um, you know, I worked, you know, for a couple of months last year developing that product, and I think the work I've done in product development and everything is really paying off. So, that's good. Um, so, I've done a sales page. So, I did actually two sales pages. I wrote a whole sales page that I eventually threw away and um, I just didn't feel that it was nailing my avatar well enough. Um, the problem with branding or the problem with my product, Brand360, is that it I've had to kind of sell the pain. That the solution kind of matches. So, it's not like anybody's going around going, this is a problem for me. This is a problem for me. So, that from a sales page perspective has has been really good. From a product perspective, it's awesome because I had white space and I had a bit of a blue ocean kind of product. So, I know that there's nothing else out there that does what brand 360 does for the price that it does. So, um, from that perspective, um, as of right now, I don't have any competition. But the difficult part of that is in the marketing and selling of it you have to first you know create the pain to you know create the need for which your product is a solution and so my first sales page was all around um, you know planting doubts in people's minds that they had problems in their brand and things like that and then I realized no I think that my ideal client of which you are one Barry is somebody who's already good They may be an instinctive marketer. They don't have um, any kind of background in brand strategy and stuff, but they're very interested in it. They learn very fast. They've done a lot of things right by instinct. It's just that they might have a blind spot between the level they're at and the level that they really need to be with the ambitions and the potential of their business. So, so as you know, Barry, you are perfect (laughs) fit into that avatar. And so I had to rewrite the second sales page for that person and um well i don't know i'm you know that's my first big sales page ever and i of course me being me decided oh i better study copywriting <laughs> in order to do this so that sent me on about another month's loop of work but um you know i don't know i i'm happy with it now we'll see how it goes i'm sure there'll be plenty of tweaks and tests but um my kind of hook there is all around um you know, having a blind spot, getting too close to your work, um, not having any kind of sounding board, not having any kind of perspective, um, or objective sort of measurement of how you're going. And I think you would say, Barry, that's kind of what I gave you is I go, Barry, you're doing these seven out of 10 things really well. So just feel validated, feel confident you're doing that well, but here's three things that I think you could rapidly improve. And, um, and I just don't think as entrepreneurs, we get that kind of feedback and, and there's no way to go and buy it or there hasn't been up to now. So that's kind of why I started Brand360. All
1: right. I want to loop, loop back to a couple of points there that you made. And, and I think uh, some of the listeners will probably have the same thing going on. First of all, I want, <laughs> I want to loop back to your speed of implementation. Now, I'm not going to beat you up for, for being slow or fast. You go as fast as you want to go. Um, but I think there's a happy spot. Like, I've seen the thing I've seen with my clients that surprised me is you know, I thought at first a lot of them would be, you know, I have these technical issues. I don't know how to implement this. I need the tech stack or whatever, or the sales funnel or whatever in place. And I could give them that and they would be off to the races. Um, But what I'm finding is that there's actually a mindset issue behind that as well. Like, some people are just afraid to sell, and you can give them the best sales funnel in the world. Um, or the best marketing automation systems in the world, and they won't do anything with them because there's a bit of a, I don't know, fear factor there. Um, so, and and some of it is what you said. Some of it's like you want it to be perfect. Um, and yes, and you can, and you can, you can go on in ever increasing circles trying to make it more and more and more perfect. Um, you know, I don't know what the exact quote is, but there's something like you know, eighty uh, percent now is better than a hundred percent never. Right, so yeah, um, I'm
0: really, I'm really guilty of that. I'm the first to put up my hand and say that. But actually, in my case, I'm going to defend myself a little bit and say it's, it's a kind of, it's such a deep value for me that it's, um, it like trying to be excellent is actually part of my own identity. To try and, um, to try and get that out is, you know, like that man, and that's an ongoing, ongoing process for me. And the other thing is, too, my big business. That I had to, I had to start it that way. Like I, I pre sold stuff that I didn't even know how to deliver. Um, and that went on for years. And that was like traumatizing for me. Like I spent years with adrenal fatigue and, um, you know, that was me working against type the whole time. So now I'm in an almost perfect kind of situation where I have one business funding the other one. Um, my, my new one, I don't have i like, I mean, I'd love to be making money this week, but I don't have a huge pressure on me to do that. So I didn't have a deadline. I didn't have this, and I just was loving my life, Barry. So <laughs> it's kind of like, do you know what? I'm, you know, as I said, and everyone accuses me of this. You're not the first. You won't be the last. Um, and you know, I think once I'm going, I'm going. But that from from the life I have right now today to my next chapter when I turn this page and I start selling is going to change. And I think I've had a little bit of resistance to that change. And it's not fear. It's actually resistance to the quality of my days, the space in my days, and quite a a few other things. And I think I keep wondering if at some level unacknowledged, I keep on finding more things to do to slow me down. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that I just it's just another week till I turn that page but you know I've got to I've got to suck it up and I've got to do it
1: all right we're going to take a sidetrack detour here and get a little bit more philosophical than we normally get on the show but um I think one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself is what do you really want and if you sit down and you ask yourself that um it's a hard question to answer um I've done it myself sit down with a journal what do I want what do I want what do I want um and that's a it's a hard question to answer, and until you answer that, all the other kind of pieces don't. Like I, I think you sent an email to me. And you, f- you feel like there's a bunch of puzzle pieces, and they're kind of all over the place and not quite fitting together. Um, and I think yes. in, in my own life, that's that's been an indication that I haven't been clear on what I want, and what I and what I want is. Is a big question, but and there and there's different levels to it. So it's like you know, what do I want on my personal life? What do I want on my business life? What kind of, what do I want my daily my day to look like um, at work? Do I want it to be twenty hours long so I can say I've accomplished a bunch of stuff, or do I want to go for a surf in the afternoon or whatever? So, um, not to get too too woo woo, um, I think that's <laughs> it. That's an important question because it reflects on all the other stuff. Is to like when is, when is this product ready to launch? Well, it's ready to launch when you feel it's good yeah. enough. And I, and well, I, I do believe in the power of deadlines though, um, that at some point you've got to, you've got to take action. Right. So in the hard pit is knowing, I think in your case, and a lot of people's cases, knowing when that is right. When is this good enough to pull the trigger? And I think that that can be a decision you make before you even start. You say, right. When I have these, 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 these things in place, that'll be good enough. And you also have to remember that your product is, it's not a tattoo. <laughs> yeah you can change it and so if you launch it on you know august 1st you can change it on august 2nd and august 3rd and august 4th right it's a great thing about the internet so um and you'll find that it's probably you know the audience probably doesn't want quite what you think they want and you're going to have to kind of be flexible anyway so um through anybody out there yep. who's struggling to launch i would say come up with some launch criteria and say right these are the things i need to have in place before i go and when i've got those i'm going um and be uh one of the great pieces of advice i got once was if you want to be good at something be comfortable with sucking at it for a little while first so
0: um. yeah uh, oh no that's uh, look i i just you know what i mean this is advice i give other people it's just i haven't really given it to myself <laughs> and We're you know all and i about. haven't set a deadline i haven't set a deadline and i think that's been um but on my other hand, um, I just realized this morning when I was writing in my journal, I do morning pages, Barry, which is where you write kind of what's in your head. It's it's sort of in place of meditating, which doesn't work for me as well. But um, I write morning pages and I was thinking about this very thing and I realized that um, and I just mentioned it earlier. I've just been so happy with my life the last few months, the last four or five months and, and um, the way my days are structured, and the quality of my time, and the space in my days, and all of that. And what I realized was that when I launch, when things change, um, I'm I'm frightened of losing that, and I have to figure out a way to protect it. But what I'm thinking is that somewhere in my brain has been this either or this like I'll flick a switch, and then all this halcyon creative cave that I've had will be over but what I now what I need to do is go so this is very woo woo sorry for the people out there that aren't very woo woo um yeah what I need to do is go okay I can predict and preserve the things that have given me such great contentment um and still get excited about um making money and stuff because I'm really clear on what I want (laughs) and I actually really need this business to start making money now because I want to sell my other business and I have to replace the income from one to the other and that's a couple of hundred grand that I've got to replace before I can sell it. So, um, you know, so, yeah, I'm on the way, I promise, I promise, I know. But, yeah, like, like, you know, what you've challenged me there with is a deadline and so when we get off the call, I'm going to sit down and I'm gonna go, you know, August the first, I wanna be um out there selling. So that'll be good. All right.
1: And for <laughs> my and for my buddy Paul, who's uh, I'm constantly haranguing, I hope you're listening. Um now, uh I wanna loop a little back up the woo-woo train a little bit and go back
0: <laughs> and go back to your Okay. Sorry. Woo woo over everybody. We're getting back to the practicalities now.
1: Um Let's go back to that sales page. And there's a couple of interesting points that you brought up there. And I want to kind of loop back to you. Uh one is that, you know, you started writing a sales page um, and then you, you got, you, you scratched it and started over again. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you can rewrite it as many times as you need to. But I think what people misunderstand a little bit is that you don't just, you might have an avatar, but you don't, that avatar has a journey from point A to point B. So that avatar's awareness is going to change. So um, the messaging that you use to influence them is going to change as well. So a lot of kind of funnel guys have different names for these mm-hmm. stages, but I kind of break it down into three, which is awareness, engagement, and conversion, right? So yeah. the first stage yep. is awareness. So no one's, if someone's never heard of you before, they, the first thing they have to do is hear of you and know about you and be aware of you, right? So you have to build awareness with that person. And not only awareness of you, but you mentioned it as well, is, is awareness of the problem that they have. And that's kind of sometimes referred to as a bridge, right? You have to build a pre-frame bridge to that person that says, you know, they don't know why you need your product unless you highlight the problems that, you, that they have that your product solves. So that kind of awareness phase, has, awareness phase has different messaging to it than someone who's a little bit further down the track. Um in the conversion, in the in engagement phase, right? In the engagement phase, people are interacting with your content. They're downloading your PDFs and your lead magnets and stuff. They're sending emails back and forth. They're opening, they're clicking. They're engaged with your content. So they're a little bit further down that train track of, um, towards conversion. So they're going to need different messaging as well. So it's, it's almost, well, it's not almost. It is, you do need kind of, Almost two sales pages: one for cold traffic, who's never heard of you before, and then to bring to build that pre-frame bridge, and then one for warm traffic, who, who's already aware of their problem. They just need to know of, you know, what's what's the results I'm going to get out of your product, rather than I didn't. Hey, I didn't even know I had this problem. Let alone how I could solve it. So. Um, you may find that you need more than one sales page, and you would yeah. d- direct yeah. people to that depending on where they are in that kind of stage of the funnel. Does that make sense? Well,
0: now you've added something to my
1: list. <laughs> now you got to go for another I sales mean, page. Now my
0: deadline might <laughs> get pushed back. Nope,
1: no, sorry, that's, that's just,
0: no, no, that's fine.
1: <laughs> clearly, yeah, you don't understand the difference to
0: deadline. I think writing one sort of epic sales page um, is—it's a great exercise because what I did is I—I I think I mentioned I studied a bit of copywriting and. I, I look for a lot of different frameworks and the and then sort of looked at the commonalities between them. And, as you very rightly said, it's all about a journey. Um, and it's all about initially meeting people where they are um and and you have to stop them in their tracks as well. So that that you know that was challenging too. so um and then the other thing that comes up is a lot of this idea of agitating pain. And I actually am naturally very resistant to that. Um, And I I know I posted in a couple of groups about this whole area of um, who's comfortable with agitating pain versus who's comfortable with building the kind of vision of what you're going to have and leading people there. So um, I wasn't yeah, I kind of left the pain agitation. That was in my first version. It was a lot of, you know, you're doing all this wrong. You don't know you're doing it wrong because you're hopeless. Um, and how could you know? And, um, you know, all this stuff is limiting you. And I decided to kind of leave all that whole tone behind in the second page um, and talk more just to the aspiration. Um, and I, I kind of... Rep- refer to my people as the good to great people. And I know they're the same people you target as well, Barry. So, um, yeah, but you're right. You're quite right. There are people that are going to have never, ever heard my name. Um, and then, obviously, I have a quite a large network of people that already perceive me to be a brand specialist. So, um, yeah, hopefully they won't need as much convincing that I'm the person to help them.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's an interesting – it's an interesting – psychological phenomenon, the, the pleasure and pain thing, the aspiration and the desperation. Um, but I, I think you need a little bit of a mixture of both. And I don't think you need to educate, agitate the pain so so much as some people do. Um, but it, it's kind of a well-known psychological phenomenon that people will act more readily and more zealously to avoid uh, pain or loss, loss aversion, uh, the psychological factor of loss aversion, then they will to gain a benefit, right, if, um, can, you know. Yeah. If,
0: well, if, I didn't entirely leave it out, but yeah. what I did leave out was the um, you're in pain because you're stupid kind of tone, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I, I decided to change the tone up from these are the mistakes you're making that you don't know you're making kind of thing. Um, and I kind of changed the pain to being around uncertainty and guesswork and second-guessing and um, just not not being able to benchmark yourself and measure yourself um, and all the benefits that come from that with respect to um, the actions that are going to flow from a, a review that has an independent panel involved. You know, the actions that are going to flow for that are going to be, right, okay, if I do these six things, clearly my scores would have been better um, therefore they're going to be worth doing. So that's kind of where I went in the end. I just didn't want to, I, I didn't like, and and yeah, a lot of the advice you get from people that don't know you very well is all, oh, you know, tell people that they're shit at branding and how that's affecting them. And I'm like, well, a lot of my clients actually aren't that shit at it, but like they just don't know what they don't know. And, you know, they may be not, They maybe just missing a few little pieces that could, just like make a huge difference so yeah
1: yeah i don't think you need to go with the you know the the pain component being that you're stupid but (laughs) yeah no (laughs) no i didn't i
0: didn't but that's the that's the sales page i dropped um but you you can't and and i dropped it because i just like i think it was an effective sales page i think it probably would have worked but in my gut and, my, and the kind of person I want to be in the world, it just it was out of alignment with me. And I'm like, I just don't think I can put this out there. And that was kind of, um you know, as I said, Barry, before, a lot of this stuff is still emerging in me, like even what I think in some ways is emerging. And I think when you go and study and you immerse yourself in stuff, you get, you know, you go, oh, now I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And you can lose yourself, like your own values and your own kind of, Thing you want to be in the world because you've been too influenced by outside voices, and um, so I struggle with that. And I thought, no, I'm putting aside that outside voice, and I'm going to write a sales page where I could look someone straight in the eye and say, "This is how you're going to benefit from you know undertaking this process."
1: Yeah, absolutely. But but I think what you the the way to to way, the way to use the loss aversion in a authentic in way with integrity and not be a douchebag is is to paint the consequences of what happens if they don't solve that problem yeah so so clearly your product solves a problem right so there's a a possibility or a paradise that like you know once you have this problem solved this is what the paradise looks like but there's also the pain or the problem is like if there are consequences to not solving that problem right so you can say you can paint that by saying look you know I, I call it the price and the cost, right? So you've got the price of getting something that you want, but there's also the cost of you not getting it, right? So, you know, for example, as we talked about before the call, I'm training for a marathon. The price of that is I've got to go out and run a lot. Um, and I knocked out 30 kilometers. A lot. A lot. I knocked <laughs> oh, out <ew>. – <laughs> knocked out 30 kilometers on Sunday. I didn't want to, like, I wasn't excited, oh. <laughs> excited about putting my, you know, when, when my little GPS went off and said one kilometer, oh, okay, well, I got 29 left. Um, oh. but I had to pay that price. And if I don't pay that price, then the cost is I don't get to achieve my goal. Right. I, I show up at the yep. marathon and yep. I got all that time and all that trouble and I, I can't finish or get hurt or whatever. So you're either going to pay the price or you're going to pay the cost. So, um, I don't leave that out. Don't leave that out of your sales message. That there's a there's a real consequence to not taking action. So you're not only competing against other products, you're competing against someone taking no action whatsoever, right? Um,
0: yeah, that's right. So make sure that you. Well, actually, I think that's your biggest. That's your biggest competition. I, I don't think um, for a lot of our products, people are comparing apples with apples it's not like i select where you go on and you go well this one gives me six hundred dollars off my glasses and that one gives me you know fifty dollars off my physio or whatever it's not it, you know it can't a lot of people's decisions in our world are not made in a spreadsheet um it's it's a sort of yes i'm going to do this or no i'm that's just not going to be an investment i make so i think you're you're really good. I, I think I might just open it back up again this afternoon and have another look at those consequences, Barry, because I don't think that's an area I probably have dwelt on. So that's a real opportunity. So thank you for saying that.
1: Uh, well, I
0: will definitely do
1: that. Cool. All right. So we've got sales page down. And so what's what's the next step for you? What's kind of the next step oh,
0: well, one thing I would want to ask you about is I decided, you know, in trying to get things out, yeah, um, I just went with PayPal buttons in my, so I use a, I use Divi. I have Thrive themes as well, but I used uh, Divi for this sales page. So, I had a pricing table and then within the pricing table, I've just added a PayPal button um, code, um, which I did years ago, and I remember it being so easy. I had an ebook, I think maybe seven years ago, and I remember that just being the easiest thing in the world. And this time, not so much. But anyway, I did get there. Um, but so that's just to obviously get the ball rolling, and you know, I, that's that was an area I identified that I can really tweak, and I probably don't have to invest too much right now. Um, but what would be sort of my next thing? if I wanted more of a shopping cart, maybe with upsells, downsells, I don't know, uh, different processor options or whatever, where would I go from just the simple PayPal button?
1: Yeah, that is a really big can of worms, that one. Um, I've, in the last six months I've kind of gone through and had a look at, I don't know, maybe a dozen different shopping cart systems in the last couple of months.
0: Um, Oh, that's fun, Barry. That's yeah, something you just do exciting. on a
1: Monday night. <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and the, the conclusion I came to at the end of it is um, they all kind of suck a little bit. And the reason yeah. they all kind of suck a little bit is because unless you're really clear about what you need it to do, right? If you just sit down on this typical software stuff, but if you sit down and Even if it's just a list of bullet points, write out a a list of requirements that you have. This is what I need the thing to do. And then compare it against that list. Like So instead of just going, oh, yeah, I want something to buy, I guarantee a couple weeks down the track you're going to go, I want to do this. Oh, yeah, and I I wanted to do that, and I wanted to do this other thing.
0: That's right. that's what I find with every software decision I make, Barry. I try and think of, I think I've thought of everything and then, you know, then you get into it and you're testing it out and then suddenly it can't do something really fundamental <laughs> that you forgot to ask about. So,
1: so back, yeah, I find back, that
0: very paralyzing myself.
1: Back in the days when I was an IT executive and people come in and say, we need to, we need to buy this system. And I'm like, well, what do you want it to do? Uh, what do you mean? Where are the requirements? that you, What do you need? And they're like, what are you talking about? And like people, they don't, <laughs> it seems to be human nature that you want to rush to a solution before you define the problem. But, um, yeah. so here's some things to consider. I don't know what shopping cart is going to be right for you, but, um, things to consider are you know, do you need recurring subscription payments, right? So if it's a monthly or yearly or quarterly or whatever subs uh, yearly recurring or recurring payments going to be, that's kind of narrow, going to narrow the field down a little bit. Um, if you want to do yeah. the, the upsells or downsells, like you said, like if you want to have a, you know, someone checks out with product A and it says, Hey, you know, do you want product B as well? Then that's going to be, uh, something that limits the field a little bit. If you want to do take PayPal and credit card and or credit card as in credit card, not through PayPal as in an independent credit card, credit card thing. Um, and that's another thing to consider. If you want to, um, you know, do you want to take PayPal at all or is just credit card good enough? Um, and there's some interesting things that I found out, and in, in, in our mutual friend Sean found out as well when he started his membership community is, you know, there's a significant number of people that want to pay PayPal, which you would choose to do so yeah. if you gave them the choice. Now, if you didn't give them the choice, would they still go ahead and buy the credit card? I don't know. But um,
0: yeah, but you don't want to limit, you know, like you don't want to lose sales. When you've done all the work to get somebody there, well, you don't want that to be a reason that you lose sales. No, well, here's the good. don't offer them the right. And the other thing is, too, like whether you should offer two, a split pay or something, you know, a two-pay or three-pay or, oh, it's and hard. That's,
1: and that's something you're only going to figure out once you start getting some customers at yeah. the door. But,
0: well, that's right. And that's why I've just gone with the, uh, you know, kind of bare minimum one-off PayPal, and even that with the GST and everything was really tricky. So I did GST see, uh, is our tax, sorry. <laughs> so yeah. basically anyone who buys Australian products from overseas is going to get charged less at the checkout than what the price says because um, we have to include our tax in the price that shows, um, and yet at the checkout it gets added as plus
1: 10%. Yeah, and um –
0: and so, that would be the case in other countries too that have, you know.
1: Yeah, so tax. there's that all kind of local tax versus non-local tax stuff. And, yeah. and um, you know, is there – but if you just have PayPal and someone wants to pay for a credit card, you're introducing that little extra bit of friction there because it's a little bit of pain in the ass to pay with a credit card by PayPal. Someone's got to know to click the little button and boom. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into it, but I would suggest you write down and test a few of them. The other thing to be wary of is a lot of the – the platforms that do recurring payments. So if you have like people paying whatever, hundred dollars a month, whatever it is, um, they'll store the recurring payment information on the shopping cart side rather than the payment gateway side. So what I mean by that is, for example, Stripe is a game is a payment gateway. It will process, process the credit card payment for you. Um, you can store their subscription plan in Stripe and Stripe will just every month Stripe will bill that person. Um, but well, what some of the shopping cart makers do is they'll, store the recurring information in the shopping cart, and then like once a month they'll just push a new transaction to Stripe rather than creating a subscription plan in Stripe. Um, which means if you ever decide to change shopping carts, which I've done at least three times now. Um, you've
0: got to go and get all that again. From you've got from to get
1: people. all your customers to re-sign up again.
0: Oh. Uh, I tell you, big opportunity here for somebody to sweep in and and – and you know, like all the things you mentioned, where you said, if you want recurring or this, if you want Stripe or PayPal, you want like upsells, down sells, cross sells. Like, uh, I mean, surely that could all be put into one, couldn't
1: it? It is much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit surprised. Like when I started digging a bit deeper and deeper, I'm a little bit surprised how immature the shopping cart space actually is. Um, yeah. There's a lot of spot solutions that are good for one or two things but there's not I haven't come across one shopping cart that's great at everything. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah. so there's an opportunity there for somebody who wants to really kill it, but um Yeah. But the the moral of the story, make sure that you know what you need before before need. you go implementing something.
0: Well, thank you for that because now you've made me go, well, I think I'll just stick with my little PayPal buttons a little bit longer uh, and uh, maybe tweak some other elements before I go digging into that. Now, I don't know if the listeners know. I think anyone who heard me before knows I'm a little bit tech-resistant, wouldn't you say, Barry, because I've had some poor experiences in the past. Well, everybody uh, but has. But I am really happy. I have to say active Campaign, um and – you know thrive leads i i bought thrive themes as well the whole suite and started doing my kind of webinar sign up pages and landing pages with the um the thrive theme builder yeah Yeah, the content builder sorry um and yeah as long as i've kept them simple that that's good um, for my pages i'm still using divi because i had learned to that one um, and i'm i'm just a bit resistant to i guess the time I need to expend on learning curve frustration, you know, and it's both the time and the actual energy around it (laughs) that I'm resistant to. So I I think I'm the kind of person where once once something's working, I'm like, okay, that's working. And um, as anyone who's listened to my earlier things, I'm enormously grateful to Barry for putting me just straight into the Thrive Leads active campaign connection because, I mean, you see that everywhere now. Every, everyone recommends that combination, and I think it's worked really well for me. So, um, yeah. So we're so are we up to? Did you did you finish? Did we we finished on the shopping cart thing, didn't we? Yeah. I so think we're so. going to go up a level now to the next part of my funnel. Sure. Which is a online workshop, and I'm thinking, and I know you have a view on this. I'm probably going to make that an evergreen webinar where people can jump in at any time and watch it I'm going to make it kind of 90 minutes and it is a bit of a roll up sleeves and it's a workshop Um, and the workshop is about what I call the magic words which is the 20 words um, that are above the fold on your website that position you um, and and talk about what you do and why you do it? So it's also sometimes called a value proposition. It's sometimes called um, above the fold content. It's sometimes called it's called a lot of different things. Brand positioning statement. Um, sometimes called a USP for product brands where the brand and product are the same thing. So, it's because it's got a lot of different names and definitions, I decided to confuse it all, <laughs> confuse everything and make my own name, and I call them magic words. And so, what I've done is um it's a I, I think it's a really good piece of work. I'm proud of it. It sort of just leads people through that whole process of finding them. It's got some amazing examples. I've found you know probably twenty five um, really good examples of um you know, above the fold. Copy, and of course it includes also the button text and the call to action, and then sometimes there's some different formats that people are bringing in now that have more proof or they have um, a visual process, it includes the image. so it's that whole piece that um, is the you know the first thing that people see on your website that you know you've only got eight seconds to grab them and tell them what you do. So that, it's, it's all around that. And so I lead people all the way through there and then um, obviously towards the end I'm going to say um, introduce Brand 360 to them. Um, one thing I do think, Barry, is that not everybody who's going to find Magic Words, the online workshop, um, valuable are going to be customers of Brand 360. So I'm doing it kind of for two reasons. I'm also doing it um, to kind of – get better known in the market and offer a, norm, a piece of content, I think that's enormously valuable and very useful for people. Um, so I was going to ask you at this point whether you think, um, given the success of Automation Nation, your fa- your fantastic Facebook group, um, uh, whether you think I should start to invite people off the end of that webinar to a Facebook group where I will give them kind of some guidance and support as they're developing their magic words
1: yeah two things there one is yeah i wouldn't go straight to an evergreen webinar i would run some live ones first and i know there's probably some resistance there but i got a great piece of um, advice from russell brunson once when i was um in boise he he said like you know he'll run a webinar 10 12 times until he he's got it tweaked and and dialed in that it's getting a lot of conversions and it's, it's kind of crushing it. Then he'll record that one.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I that, get
1: that. that becomes the evergreen one. Right. So I would run it live a few times first.
0: Yeah. Cause you feel people's energy and stuff yeah, for sure. And then you can, you, you know,
1: you can react to what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're feeling. Right. And you can find out what works and what doesn't work as part of your sales process, right. Or your messaging and then record the one that works obviously. So, yeah. um, That's number one. Um, Number two was uh, on the Facebook group. Yeah. So some important lessons there. And if you're just new to the podcast, by all means, just join my Facebook group over at automation. Nation.
0: Yes. Join, join, join.
1: Um, Some interesting things there. One, uh, and I think it speaks to the human need. We're going back a little bit for inclusion and being part of a tribe, right? So people constantly seeking out a tribe to be a part of. So if you can, if you can lead that tribe, create that tribe and obviously they're going to stick with you and you know some people will never buy and they'll just hang out and that's cool um
0: yeah well that's fine with me yeah I, I don't yeah
1: and then but at least it gives them a stake in the ground that they can rally around right and then yeah it once the tribe starts to grow it'll grow more so it's been a couple surprising things that have happened in, in my growing that facebook group is that one that you make you make <laughs> you, you make it private um Which kind of gives you a higher level of control over the quality and who can get in, who can't get in, you can kick people out and they're being annoying. Um, so you, you can maintain the level of quality and integrity that you want to maintain in the group. Um, but it also gives people a bit of that sense of inclusion as well. Um, and it gives, it gives them, gives a central place for you to rally around. You know, people are on Facebook all day long, whether you, whether that's good or bad or they like it or they don't like it. That's where people spend their time. So if you want to be in front of people, go where the people are. So I would I would suggest certainly try it. I would yeah. make I would make it a closed group and invite people after they've been on the webinar. Um, yeah. and then, you know, uh, see if you like it. That was really my minimum viable product for creating my own membership community as well as well, do I actually like leading a community answering questions? Well, that's all, right. You, answering questions you all day. Let's let's find so out
0: well.
1: Let's find you out. Did right? it so well. so um, I did validate that in my own head first that Okay, now it's worth my time to set up a, a, a private community, a paid community as well. Um, so that would be a good indication for you whether you want to go down that route as well.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that a paid community is in my future, but um, you know, I, but you don't want to rule anything out. And I guess my only concern is um, you know moving people from free to paid at any point. Um, but I think you've you've really done that really well. I think that's um you know and your community is great, um I mean that just people there are doing really well. It's very inspiring to see you know someone like our mutual friend Clinton doing so well, um and he's Clinton's very much like me. Like he really struggled with the tech, you know he found it all really difficult and found it difficult when things didn't work. And then you know the support that he got just to move through. Oh, from that to that to that. And you know, now he's done two launches and he's really crushed it. So um, you know, great credit to you, Barry, there. But um, yeah, I know I think um I, I've actually I I I have a natural tendency to nurture and stuff. So I don't think I'm going to struggle having a private Facebook group. But um I guess i what I'll have to do is maybe just go around and invite lots of friends into there so that when new people come in they're not gonna think Oh, it's it's tumbleweeds in here. There's yeah. no one here. So,
1: well, it's you know it's important that you you build a tribe or a culture around you and your product. Yeah, the
0: culture, the tri- the culture is interesting, Barry. That's an interesting way to think about it. And um, you know, I want, I want to build a place where people can um, get help with stuff that's that you know is a real sticking point. You know, it, it, this stuff. This is some of the stuff that I work with people on. Is the hardest thing is that they nearly have to do in a way, which is, um, you know, put their stake in the ground, you know, because it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to find these words. Um, You can find the intent behind the words and and then you still have to find the words. It's kind of a two-step process. So, um, yeah, but – and I've taken the point on board about the live webinars. Uh, What I'm going to do first, so I meet my deadline. Which I've now said is, I'm actually going to just record a Wistia program like a beta test, and I'm going to ask people that go through that um, for some feedback before I do before I do it live. So, um, and that that to me is sort of point of least resistance. I know I can get that up. I don't have to learn the Webinar Ninja, which I've just purchased. Um, I don't have to learn that yet. Um, I can just do do the Camtasia, do the recording, put that up as a Wistia. Um, and hopefully that will sort of start to help people straight away. So that, that's kind of my, again, a bit like my PayPal buttons. That's my path of least resistance. Um, but, um, you know, webinars will be the next thing on the list after that. So, um, so that's good. So, um, and then up the, the top strata is I've been, I think I mentioned it earlier, I've been in a kind of content cave and creating um, a lot of content that I'm really very proud of. I don't know if my writing is as great as it could be. Um certainly worked really hard on it all year. But um, the main piece of content, I started a post. <laughs> uh, Kate started a post. Kate started a post. It ended up 14,000 words. Holy so, moly. I know. So, um and that is called your complete authority branding strategy. So, it ended up obviously to be an ebook. So, what I did with that is I decided to offer um so I did an ebook and I recorded it. Um so I've got um recordings, um sound recordings and I also did a choice of seven um emails that come once a day. You know those seven email series. So, um, seven or nine, actually, that you can choose. So, that, um, you know, that turned out to be, uh, I mean, and if I've said I've been slow, that's probably the main contributor because that, it turned into a two, it's went from being a blog post to a kind of two-month project. Um, But, yeah, no, it's all done there. So with that one, I'm going to use social media and I'm going to chop out little, little sections of it and use them as a little bit of bait um, to sort of click through to, The main post and what the main post does is it's got the first, I think, 3,000 words, and then at that point it breaks and says um, the rest is available either in this ebook, in this email series, or in this audio series. So I don't know how that's going to go. I hadn't seen anyone else do it that way. I'm sure other people do, but um, that's going to do. But you know, within that, I've got and I've got the opportunity to put. Different sections of it it's it's almost like um, seven uh, it's almost like five posts joined together so there's different sections that I could uh, publish on LinkedIn for example, that I can um, anyway do bits left. So my kind of next thing after I I just um, record that webinar, which is that this week's um, thing is I'm going to get together with our good friend Alana and I'm going to help and get her help with just kind of working myself out a little, uh, social media. Um, it will be a paid campaign on Facebook. Um, and the goal is just to put up some interesting content that will get people to click through and I'll get that pixel. And then I'll retarget those people with an invitation to the webinar.
1: Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, that sounds good. Yeah.
0: Right? So, why has that taken me five months, Barry? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because,
1: because it has.
0: Because I'm a crazy person. Well, I should also tell the listeners I have another big business that yeah, I work on yeah, 20 it's not hours like a you're
1: sitting around I know. Watching I, Springer.
0: I, I kind of, it's only part time at the moment. So, yeah. And I mean, that, you know, the thing is, everybody in my situation where you've created a business, put in a management team and walked away from it, you know, you think it's kind of like, oh, there's paradise for you. But it's a bit like uh, creating a garden. I think, you know, there's only so long you can leave the garden and not attend to the garden before the garden might start to take on, um, you know, different attributes of a garden that you don't like. So, and you have to kind of go back and work a bit of your magic over there. Um, But, you know, on the other hand, I'm I'm very proud that I've worked myself into that position, and um I did want to say at the risk of going back to the woo woo after we promised that we wouldn't um I wouldn't want to encourage anyone who sort of is feeling oh, that they're very stuck in their business or it's not the business that they want because that was the situation I was in three or four years ago, and I started to do something for my future self every day, and I started to um you know just create some time to envision and then to start to create my new venture and um, and also put things in place. Within that business, I built the systems, I recruited people, I started cross-training people, I started doing all of those things to eventually let me walk away and I think, and I've alluded to it a few times, how happy I've been this year. And that's because of all those things I did three years ago and two years ago that were really hard at the time. I did those for the this year. I did them for this year. I did it so I could reap the benefits of having a year like this where, you know, I could have six months to work on my new project um, and bring it to life in a way that I'm really proud of. So so I would encourage anyone in that situation just you know, build out your systems. Envision yourself out of that business. Um, start looking towards what you do want, as we talked about earlier, Barry. And you know, just make sure that you're doing something every day towards that. And, and you know, event, and some somehow it happens. It does somehow it happens.
1: Yeah, and and since we're on the woo train, um, one of my again again. <laughs> uh one of my other mentors told me once you know hitting a single every day is much more powerful than hitting a home run every now and then so because they build on each other right you hit one hit two hit yeah. three hit four hit five uh and, you know after the third one every single you hit's knocking them run in uh using a baseball metaphor which the Australians might not understand but um yeah if you want if you want something to change just take a single action every day to make that happen and before you know it you're there cool all right Kate yeah, hey, what
0: well, no. That's that's very good. Oh, thank you so much, Barry. I look forward thank you to for hearing it. Thank you for your advice.
1: Yeah, I look forward to hearing the results of uh, getting this up, this uh, sales funnel up and running, and we'll check back in you once it's been going for a little while.
0: Unreal. I look forward to it.
1: Thanks, Kate. I'd like to thank Kate for coming on the show and being so open about her journey with getting her business uh, set up online. If you want to check out the show notes and get any of the links we've mentioned in the show, head over to theactivemarketer.com forward slash 62, the number 62, uh, and that's where you can find all the show notes. If you need some help getting all your sales funnels and marketing automation set up, that's what we specialize in over at the Active Marketer Insiders. It is a private community for smart business owners just like you who just need a little bit of help to get their sales funnels, marketing automation humming uh, and really leverage their online business uh, to design automate and scale all your sales processes so if you want to find out more head over to theactivemarketer.com forward slash members and you can get all the information and if you have any questions just shoot me an email at barry b-a-r-r-y at theactivemarketer.com so we'll be back next week with another interview in the meantime, get out there, design, automate, and scale your business to the next level with sales and marketing automation. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.